Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Hello, I'm Daryl Horn, the Executive Director of the San Antonio Baptist Association. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We're looking at the traits of great leaders in times of disruption. You want to stay tuned because this is going to be a very good discussion. Joining us today are four proven leaders who are in the San Antonio area. They'll be sharing their insights from their years of experience. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to go to uh, buzzsprout.com to listen to other SABA podcasts. If you go to buzzsprout.com and look up the San Antonio Baptist Association, you'll find over 90 podcasts to date. And that number continues to grow every month. With us today, we have four leaders from the San Antonio area, and we'll go around the room and let each panel member introduce himself. And today we'll start with uh, Jim Antonin. Uh, thanks, Daryl. Uh, I'm Jim Antonin. I'm the executive director of the San Antonio campus of Wayland Baptist University. I've been here just short of uh, 20 years. Uh, prior to that, I was the director of leader development at a company here in San Antonio called USAA. And prior to that, I spent uh, 21 years as a career officer in the United States Air Force. Good to be here with you guys today. Good morning. I'm John Litzler. I'm the director of the church law division at uh, Christian Union Ministries, a nonprofit here in San Antonio, and work exclusively with um, Christian and religious organizations uh, facing legal challenges and legal issues. And I'm also thrilled to be with these gentlemen today and have the opportunity to, to speak about uh, characteristics of leadership. My name is John Lane. I'm the president of a local law firm called Lane and Countryman. Uh, we represent a number of churches and nonprofits. Uh, thank you, Dr. Horn and esteemed panel for allowing me to be a part of it. Uh, and my name is Abe Hawkins. Uh, I'm president of Baptist University of the Americas here in San Antonio. Uh, our mission is to educate and equip cross-cultural leaders for the church and the marketplace. And I'm grateful to be here as well and looking forward to our conversation. I'm very thankful to have you four guys on the podcast today. You bring a lot of years of experience and a lot of uh, experience in leadership positions. Today, we're talking about great leaders are responsible. Jim Antonin will be leading our discussion today. So, Jim, if you'll get us started on the topic, we'll we'll join in. Will do. Thanks, Daryl. I think as we talk about uh, the topic today is, is about responsible leadership. And I think before I really get into that part of it, we need to have a good definition of what we mean by leadership. And, you know, over the last 50 years or so, there have been a lot of definitions of leadership. They're all similar. They all have to do with influencing people to some common goal. But over the years, I've developed one that I think works well for me and my particular uh, strategies of leadership, and I'm just going to read it to you real quick. It's, it's about believing in people to identify and appeal to their heart in order to expand their vision, to stretch their belief boundaries, and to free them to achieve goals they didn't believe they could achieve. So let me say that again real quick. It's believing in people to identify and appeal to their heart in order to expand their vision 
to stretch their belief boundaries and to free them to achieve goals that they didn't believe that they could achieve. So with that as a backdrop, then let's talk about what is responsible leadership. And I believe it, it's, some, it's sometimes referred to as values-based or principle-driven uh, relationships or relationship-driven leadership. Um, but when you think about it, it's a combination of your responsible behavior, the things that you as a leader does in your behavior, along with your responsible attitude that gives you the power of influence and it accelerates your leadership growth. So I could go down a list of a lot of things of what is it that responsible leaders do. So I'll give you a few points here. One is they seek and they listen to diverse points of view. They create trust. They're, they're unselfish. Uh, it's never about the leader. Um, Eric, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said that leadership is never about the leader. The focus is on the needs of others before self. And they are self-aware. And I want to speak to that a little bit because it, it goes back to a previous podcast uh, about in order to be a, a responsible leader, you need to understand yourself first. You need to know your strengths and weaknesses. You need to know where you're It goes back to the podcast we talked about that leaders are generalists. And so it, it, it's important for leaders to, res, to surround themselves, uh, if the, you are in fact a general, to, to, res, to surround yourselves with people who are experts in the area. So a good self-awareness of your strengths and weaknesses of, of a leader are really, really important. And then, and then after that, you read the situation and you modify your behavior, you change your behavior appropriately. So if you if you consider the fact that a lot of people say that, well, leadership is the is the solution uh, to everything. Well, then what then is the problem? Well, it's actually the failure of responsibility. And and honestly, now I'm not a Bible scholar. Um, I'm not a preacher, but I have preached. (laughs) Um, So um, I think from my viewpoint, it really goes back to the very beginning. The failure of leadership started with Adam and Eve. And then you, you could look at Cain and Abel as, as well. First, Adam and Eve, you know, they ate of the forbidden fruit. They were embarrassed and ashamed. They hid uh, only to, to discover that they can't hide from God. Adam blamed Eve for eating the forbidden fruit, and Eve blamed the serpent. They both denied personal responsibility, and it started right there. Then Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. You guys know the story. While he doesn't deny the responsibility of saying, it wasn't me or I didn't do it, he he denied moral responsibility by saying, why should I be responsible for the welfare of anyone else but myself? In other words, I'm not my brother's keeper. I'll tell you a quick story about my own personal uh, experience in this. Again, I mentioned that I was a military officer. Back as a a young second lieutenant in the United States Air Force, I was all of about 22 years old. And I I need to caveat this by saying that that, uh, this really didn't resonate with me until years later when I had an opportunity to really reflect on what actually happened. So this isn't about self-aggrandizement or, or uh, blowing my own horn by it because it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean to me then what it has meant to me now over the years. 
But as a young officer, um, I was what was the title of my job was I was a combat targeting uh, team leader. And I had three other airmen on my team. And these other airmen were actually uh, very close to me in age and in education. They had associate's degrees that was unusual. So we had a lot of things in common. They were really smart. Not that I'm really smart. That's not my point. But they were they were above average in in uh, their experience and their uh, intelligence. And you don't get into an electronics career field like that without uh, having been, uh, scored pretty much at the top of the list. So anyway, we had a lot of things in common. When we went through training, at the end of training, then you're evaluated on the job skills that you've learned in training. And we we blew the top out of it. We set all kinds of records of high high uh, ratings and whatnot. So, man, we're coming out of training just really sitting on top of the world. We thought we had the world by the tail. Uh, now, th this is one of those things where, uh, as, a, as combat targeting officers, we had to drive 150 miles sometimes one way just to get to work. We were working on missiles in the remote locations in the countryside. So we're out there by ourselves, and occasionally there would be a standardization evaluation team that would come out and, and check on you to make sure you were doing well. Well, coming out of training the way we did, we're very cocky. We're, we're thinking, man, we, we know exactly what we're doing. So one day we get this no-notice uh, evaluation with these guys that come out and evaluate what we're doing, and it turns out that we weren't so good. We busted. We came out with an unsat. So what that happened, what happens after that then is you go to a review board led by the chief of maintenance, who's a full colonel. And as we're going around the, the room, all the training people are there, my boss is there, uh, the standardization evaluation people are there, my whole team is there. And as a second lieutenant, I'm pretty quiet. I'm not saying much. I'm just listening to all of this. And the conclusion that they were coming to was that we weren't trained properly. That we that, that it was a it was a fault of training, and at the end the colonel looked at me and he says, Lieutenant, you got anything you want to add to this? And I said, Well, Colonel, basically, it's not about training. We were in fact trained. It's about it's about my leadership. I didn't say it that way. I said it's about me. If I had gone into the technical data, if I had even brought out the book and opened it up and followed the checklist, this wouldn't have been a problem. I said, Sir, that's that was my fault. At that point, he looked at everybody and he says, this meeting's over. You guys are reinstated. Now get back to work. Well, as I said, that didn't mean much to me at that point in time. But over the years, I realized that what he what he saw was he had a young officer here who took personal responsibility and said, it was my fault. Well, this isn't going to happen again. So I've failed many times over the years. And, and I learned, I think, from that early experience that you, you're better off taking responsibility, asking for forgiveness, and, and moving on. Now, there's another component to this that, that I, I want to bring out, and that's called diffusion of responsibility. Well, pe people basically or sometimes think that since there are other people involved, that somebody else is going to step forward and act. And there's a classic story. I don't want to I don't, I think it was, it was an aircraft manufacturing company. I, want, I think it was Boeing. I don't want to blame them necessarily for it, but they had a catastrophic failure. In other words, they had an airplane that crashed. And as they're doing the investigation of this whole crash, uh, they realized that they brought it down to one particular point 
that had its failure that, that was a critical component that failed and caused the airplane to crash. As they looked into that, they realized, now this goes back, this is probably 30, 35 years ago when the TQM or the total quality management movement was really popular or the, the process improvement, or continuous improvement was really long before Lean Six Sigma and all of those new models about uh, process improvement uh, have come out. And so that was a big deal. So this, they knew that this part was very critical. So it went through 18 different stations of inspection before they validated that it was that it was in fact a good piece of equipment. And they thought, well, if that's the case, how could it have failed? And as they started to talk to the people in that chain, those 18 people, they get to the first guy and he says, well, I knew somebody else was going to check it, so I just didn't. And they found that same thing happened all the way down the line, that there were 18 checkpoints and nobody checked it. That's called diffusion of responsibility. And oftentimes that happens uh, with leaders as well. They just assume that other people are doing it. Well, before I, I came to, to Whalen, I, I mentioned that I had worked at uh, USAA as the Director of Leadership Development in the Leadership and Organizational Development Department. And we had contracted with a company called Zenger Miller. And uh, years prior to this, they had done a study where they identified uh, some, some people in companies that they considered to be highly effective and ready for promotion. And then they identified some other people who initially by their managers or their supervisors considered them ready, but upon further reflection realized that, well, maybe they're really not suited for, for that leadership role. Well, Zenger Miller did uh, some research on these two different groups, and they said that each group received a deck of cards with 62 different statements on them, and they described management behavior. Uh, and each was asked to sort the deck in a forced choice kind of a manner where they went from going from most effective statement to the, or the most effective uh, leader to the least effective behavior. And they, find that the, they found that the highly effective group's top choice was the statement that they accept full responsibility for performance of the work unit. The group that had been passed over for promotion attached far less importance on that statement. So I think if that kind of calls out the leadership uh, group there to show that uh, those that didn't believe that leadership uh, responsibility was important are, are going to fail at it. Um, I, I want to make a distinction here. There's a difference between accountability and responsibility also. Accountability has more to do, it's more of a management skill where you care for equipment and finances and other resources. Uh, it's a responsibility that's given to the leader by another, uh, by through trust and confidence, but it's a lot, it, that's, that doesn't go as deep as responsibility does. Responsibility goes much further than that. It, it's the mindset that says, I am the person who must make this happen. Uh, not somebody else giving you and saying you got to be accountable for it. You take ownership of it and you say, I'm the one that has to make this happen. So there are a couple of things that go into that. One is a commitment to the growth of people. And, and we're not just talking about technical growth. Uh, we're talking about personal growth and spiritual growth as well. And, and I could couch that oftentimes as, as character. Uh, 
Um, in my role here at Wayland, I sit on a number of different business education partnership partnership groups with different chambers of commerce. And when we ask our business uh, leaders what it is they want to see in a graduate, they they routinely go to character. I want people who are responsible, people that are come to work on time, uh, people that aren't going to steal from the company. Uh, I they can they say they can train them the skills that they need uh, for the job. We just need to find people that are responsible, and and it's about character. Well, so I believe that that's that is really important. That uh, the lack of character so oftentimes is the downfall on a lot of things. Well, let me let me close real quick. Uh, I believe there are four steps to becoming a responsible leader. And it goes back to what I said before. Seek and listen to the diverse viewpoints. Create trust. Be unselfish. It's never about the leader and the develop the leadership of others. Bottom line, you got to focus on the needs of others before yourself. You got to be self-aware and you got to read the situation. I'm going to leave that with just, just one last thing. Um, I know that a lot of you sometimes are hungry for more information about this subject. I, I just finished reading three different books that I just want to give to you. One is called Morality, uh, Restoring the Common Good in Divided Times by, actually two of them are by the same guy, and he's a rabbi named Jonathan Sachs. The second one is called Lessons in Leadership, and it's a weekly reading of the Jewish Bible, also by Jonathan Sachs. And the last one is called Character Still Counts by James Merritt. I would recommend highly any one of those if you're interested in learning more about that. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Wow, you gave us a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> That's like uh, 10 podcasts there. That, that, was, uh, that was a lot of very good content. Um, we're at our time limit. So the the other three panelists, if you would please pick out something that, that Jim shared with us. There's a lot there that we could discuss, a lot of really good content. Uh, pick out something, if you would. Um, Abe, we'll start with you and then go to John Lane and then John Litzler. Something that, uh, that you heard Jim share with us. Yeah, I thought... Uh, Jim did a great job. As Jim, as you were talking about uh, personal responsibility, the first verse that came to my mind was, he must increase, I must decrease. And that it's not about me. It's always about the other people. It's always about not the leader, but the the folks that God places in your, on your team along with you. And so this idea that that doing purpose, doing life is not about you as a leader. Oftentimes we think, oh, I'm the leader. It's all about me. And it's not. It's about the others that God brings your way. So I'm grateful that you said those things. But that's the first thing that came to my mind is that he must increase. I must decrease. Puts me behind everybody else that God has placed in our team. So appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I too uh, really appreciate all that information. And I think the part that stuck out to me the most was, the taking on a personal responsibility, willingness to admit when we have failed and uh, just shouldering that responsibility ourselves. It, it's its sorely lacking in our society these days. And uh, thanks for talking about that. I agree, John. That's the part that stuck out to me as well. And I agree with you that it's sorely lacking in our society. And what came to mind was an instance from 
a, a public figure had messed up a couple of weeks ago. They said some things and they did some things and, and they didn't respond to the criticism. And, you know, in our culture, the outrage just continued to build. And finally, it came to a point where this public figure was figure was going to have to say something. They had to address the controversy. And so I tuned into what I thought was going to be an apology. What I thought was going to be this leader accepting some responsibility for the things that they had said that were that were offensive and incorrect. And the the whole thing started with, well, I should have come forward about this weeks ago, but I listened to the advice of my team who told me to stay quiet and it would blow over. And just immediately threw the team under the bus, the, you know, the, the, the advisors and people. And I thought responsibility starts and ends with you. I don't know. I didn't know this leader that well, but I thought you just lost your following. I mean, you've lost your ability to lead when you start your supposed apology with throwing your team under the bus and saying, I shouldn't have listened to them. I should have addressed this weeks ago. Um, and so it is something that's sorely lacking in, in our society. And we're, we're hurting for leaders who step up and take responsibility for their actions. The, the thing I, that stood out to me was the phrase character matters. And you, you mentioned the, the business uh, community coming and saying that the thing that they want most is individuals with character. They can teach the skills, but they want the character. And I had this conversation with my youngest son about three weeks ago about character matters because he's in a position of leadership. And we were talking about somebody under his leadership and the fact that uh, character matters. And I was going back through some of the, some of the things that things that I did to discipline him as he grew up because I knew character matters and taking responsibility for our own actions is, uh, as has been said on this podcast is something that's sorely lacking in our society. I, uh, we, we told you at the beginning that you'll want to stay, stay tuned for the whole podcast and, this was another great podcast. You'll find others from the San Antonio Baptist Association at buzzsprout.com. Thank you for listening to Great Leaders Are Responsible. Thank you, panelists. You did a great job today. I appreciate you so much. Listen for us on our next podcast concerning leadership. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom impact.